Hello, leaders, and welcome to Connections, the podcast. This is where we sit down with some of our friends and talk about how God wants to use us to lead the women in our community to be better women, mothers, and leaders. I'm Kelly Jordan, and our guest today is Sherry Crandall, who is the Vice President of Global Ministries and Leadership Experience at Mops International. Sherry, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. I'm so glad to be here. Well, we always love talking to you for a little while. And recently, you had a chance to talk with our coordinators at MomCon 2019. And I know it was a room full of women that are just committed to MOPS and committed to sharing Jesus with the women in their groups. And I'm sure that was a lot of fun for you. It is. It's actually one of my favorite groups to talk to because years ago, um, now I can say years ago, <laughs> I was a coordinator at my group and that's kind of how I started. I was first, you know, invited to MOPS and then within a, a short period of time, they needed a coordinator. And I just remember that sort of overwhelming feeling of, oh my gosh, all that I was supposed to be doing or that I put pressure on myself to be doing. And so I have a special place in my heart for the coordinators. And uh, this year was fantastic. They're really an amazing group of women. Right. And I know that we both have such a heart for MOPS leaders because we were MOPS leaders in our group. And yes. um, so we just... We just love the opportunity at MomCon to talk face-to-face with these women and hear what they're doing and what God is doing in their group through them. And that uh, you had a chance to talk to them about this concept of thriving and how very often as leaders we get caught up in the details and we are so focused on just surviving from day to day or meeting to meeting or task to task. But you really focused in on how to thrive. Why is that idea so important? Well, that's a great question, Kelly. We have really focused a lot on that word this year, thrive. And it started for me as I have been overseeing leadership of not only stateside leaders, but leaders around the world. I started noticing this pattern of I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm doing these things and I'm working so hard and I'm trying to juggle this and I'm trying to juggle that and I'm just surviving and everybody's saying, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm just surviving. And so I started to think about like, that's not a good place to be. Survival, I don't think is what Jesus called us to do. And and that's for someone like who doesn't have hope, right? If I'm just surviving, that means I have no hope that it will get better. And I think as, as Christians and as believers and as women leaders, we should be focusing on how can we thrive in all of that. I think sometimes we're our own worst enemy in that because we take on too much. So that started um, some thoughts for me last year after talking to some leaders. And I thought, wow, I don't want these leaders to just be surviving. I want them to thrive. So that's how it started. And we've really kind of taken that theme and pulled it through a lot of what we've done this year at MOPS. And it's really resonated with people because I think they find themselves in that story. Oh, I agree. It's definitely resonated with me when I think through the different areas of my life and I've sat down and thought, okay, am I thriving here or am I just surviving? And in some areas I could look and say, yes, I'm thriving. But in other areas I had to step back and go, okay, what do I need to do so that I can move from just surviving to really thriving? So what are some things that each of us could put into place to move us from surviving to thriving? 
Well, I think first of all, um, an attitude of gratitude. And I know that sounds a little cliche, but this really was um, something that struck home with me last year when I started thinking about this. And it was in the summertime and I was working in my garden and around the corner comes the trash truck and out hops this man who I had never met. He was picking up the trash and I live on a cul-de-sac. So as I watched him, he was like engaging with each person in the cul-de-sac, one being one of the little guys in the cul-de-sac. And he hopped out of the truck and he went over and he like shook his hand and he let the kiddo help him put the trash into the trash truck and then he high-fived him and then he jumped back in. And then he talked to one of my neighbor who is elderly and had this really sweet conversation. And meanwhile, I had been noticing each week that our cans had been brought up to like to my garage which was super nice. They weren't just sort of thrown in the street you know, or kind of hanging out. They were actually put away neatly up against the garage. And so as he came by, he hops out of the truck. He says, well, hello, ma'am. My name is Eugene. Eugene the trash machine is what he called himself. And he just had so much joy. It was like contagious. And so he was just talkative. And at the end of our conversation, he says, I hope you have a blessed day. May God just bless your day. And he hops in and he drives off. And I thought, wow, that's a lot of joy for someone who's driving a smelly trash can. Well, as the summer unfolded, I just had more and more interactions with Eugene and such a delightful person. And he had so much joy in his heart. And I said to him one day, Eugene, you're so joyful. And I'm just going to say, like, I think a lot of people wouldn't find joy driving a smelly trash truck, right? And he says, oh, ma'am, I, I can see where, where you would think that, but you know, he said, I didn't have opportunities to go to college. And I lived with my aunt and uncle growing up, and my uncle told me, he said, you do everything to the glory of God. And so this job, it pays well, it helps take care of my family, and I get to meet nice people like you. Well, I wanted to ball. I just wanted to start crying because I thought, okay, Eugene, like this is amazing. And how often do we find ourselves complaining about all the things that we've chosen to put on our, our plate? And so instead of being grateful and having this attitude of, I do everything to the glory of God, we complain about all the things that we have to do. So I learned so much from Eugene that day. And that summer, and he just became one of my favorite people. And I'm sad to say, I mean, I'm happy for him. They promoted him, but he's no longer our trash man. And um, the gentleman who took over isn't quite as efficient or friendly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we um, all need a little bit of someone like Eugene in our lives yes, <laughs> to remind yes. us to remind us of the gratitude that we should have and that we should show. That's, that's a great story. So that sort of prompted actually Kelly me doing this research of what would cause Eugene to thrive? Like what are some things that cause people to thrive instead of just survive? What I found was I'm kind of a science nerd at heart. So I went off looking for trying to find these different articles to read. And I found that there was a lot of thriving articles on newborns. Like why do newborns thrive or for senior adults, like why do senior citizens thrive? And so there was a lot of concern about a newborn thriving and then someone at the end of their life thriving. 
And they both can suffer that failure to thrive syndrome as an elderly person or as an infant. But there wasn't a whole lot done about like the rest of the life, like most of us, where we live in that middle part. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because so sad that there's a lot of people who aren't thriving in the middle portion of their life. And so there was this doctor in the UK that had this study and it's, and he had the study about what were the things that thriving people, what did they show us? Like, what are the things that they do that would be considered thriving? And I read the article and I reread it and I started to put this into practice, not only for our teams here at MOPS, but also speaking to my kids. And so I want to just share with everybody what it is that he said, these are the components of thriving. Now, let me remind you, first of all, this was not a Christian university. This was a secular university. However, the number one thing that he said thriving people have is it is a strong spiritual belief. As a Christian, I think that's amazing, right? Because a strong... That doesn't really surprise us as Christians that that would be so high on the list. Right, but I think it was surprising to the study. So number one, having a strong spiritual belief. People who thrive are optimistic. They are self-motivated. They are proactive in their thoughts and behavior. They are lifelong learners. They are adaptable. They are socially competent, which means they have good relationships with their family, friends, and within their community. And they are self-confident, but they're not narcissistic. That's very interesting. And we will, for our listeners, we're going to list those out in our show notes so that they'll be able to, to read that list over again, because I think it is so interesting. Awesome. Thank you. And so, yeah, I started to look at that and I was like, gosh, that's a really long list. But what he said that was even if two of those, they didn't have to be 100%, not all of those had to be checked off in order for you to be thriving. But if several of them were missing, then when they were interviewed, they would say, no, I'm not thriving. It was a very fascinating study because he said, if you checked off these things, these were the lists that they made over and over, that when people did these things, they would say to you, yes, I'm thriving. Yes, my life is good. Yes, I'm happy. Yes, I'm content. And the people who were struggling in some of these areas, they would say, no, I'm not a happy person. I'm not content. I'm barely surviving. And then it went on to say things like, you know, when you talk to people and they're like, how are you? Oh, just trying to get through the day, just trying to get to the weekend, just trying to get to summer break, just trying to get through Christmas. You know how you talk to people and it's almost like that Winnie the Pooh Eeyore, right? You know, the, right. the guy's like, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just, I sent this to my kids and I said, you know, these are things that I think we as a family and you as now, because my kids are becoming adults, they're young adults, things that you could keep in your mind that you should be working towards. And if you find yourself lacking in that, then it's a good sort of litmus test to say, okay, I might be thriving, like you said earlier, in this area, but not in that area. And then self-evaluate and start to work on those areas. That's great. And I, I love that what applies to us in leadership also applies to us in our families. 
It really does, doesn't it? Because we have a leadership role in our family. And so if I would say this, and I think it's sort of a, it might feel like you're putting pressure on yourself, but if you're not thriving, if you're not doing well, I don't think you can expect that from your family. And so we do have to own that. We all have to be self-aware within our family, within our leadership teams. If you're struggling with something, be self-aware enough that you can then work on that. And then we can be more whole, not only in our families, but also on our teams. And so I made this list and then I just uh, challenged myself and some of my friends and then it became, I challenged all of you to write down these things and then really self-reflect, where are you in them? And um, it's been very valuable for me, it really has. It is a great list that applies to us in so many areas of our lives, but it is a list of seven things. And I know that you said that, you know, as long as you have a few of them, it just feels like it could put a lot of pressure on us to be really strong in every single area. So how do we manage all of these different areas? What are some tips or advice or examples you can give us of how we can manage those areas in our lives? Well, again, I think the key is self-awareness and knowing um, this is just a list that came from a study that I have found to be very helpful in my life. We choose to put things in our life all the time. Like you said yes to being a MOPS leader. Well, you also said yes to being a parent. And I'm sure that many of you have said yes to working at your kid's school and teaching Sunday school. And maybe you volunteer in your community in other ways. And so we start to add these things and then we panic because we put them all at the same level. And I would say, and I say this especially to this audience of leaders because like, I know you, like I'm a leader. So I know that you want to do things well and you're capable so you can say yes to things. But should you say yes to all the things, I would venture to say no. And so... 14 years ago, I would say that I was definitely doing that. I was saying yes to all the things and, and really enjoying a lot of it, but also feeling pressure of like, oh my gosh, I've signed up for this. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. And I held everything of equal value. So everything was important. Everything was, you know, had to be balanced. And then one day I was told that I had breast cancer. And I shared this with the group that I just spoke to because especially with the coordinator position, I felt like those are high achieving women and they feel like they can juggle everything. And having been that and been one of them, I was speaking to someone that I know really well who happens to be a dear friend, but also is a counselor. So I always say it's kind of nice to have a good friend who's also a counselor. <laughs> and he asked me this question after I was diagnosed and was just like, how am I going to do all this? And he said, well, when you do something, would you tell me you do it at like 50%, 100%? And I kind of responded like, well, that's a trick question because you know I give 150%. And I was really actually quite proud of that answer. Like, I give everything. And he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. And that's not okay. And he said, what you're going to have to learn in this season is a very important lesson. 
90% is still an A. And I felt like he just like hit me over the head and hit me right in the heart because that's true, like 90% is still an A. But then he shared another thing with me and he said, you're going to have to realize in your life, all the things that you're juggling, some of them are made of glass and some of them are made of rubber. So you can only be the one that decides which things are glass and which things are rubber. The glass balls that you're trying to juggle, if you drop one and it shatters, you can't put it back together. The rubber balls that you're putting in there that you think are equal to the glass balls, those can actually be dropped, they can bounce away, and then you can choose later if they wanna bounce back into your life or if they bounced away forever. That was profound advice for me because I think for so long, if I'm being super honest with all of you, I tried to juggle everything. And so I chose the glass balls in my life, which are the relationship with Jesus, my faith. That's a glass ball. I'm not willing to drop that. My husband, I'm married. And so we've been married 33 years just this past week. And so that's a glass ball for me. I don't want to ever drop that. My kids, I've got four kids. And then I kind of went down, you know, my, my parents and my siblings, my dear friends, my work that I do with mops. Now, when I say all of that, that's a lot to juggle. So why in the world would I add like making homemade cupcakes for my daughter's class? And why would I add having to do, you know, these other things that I was adding that had to be perfect all the time. And I was really equating everything at the same level. So you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? If I dropped that, it's okay. If I decided never to make another homemade cupcake, I didn't have to. And if someone judged me, oh, well, that's on them. But instead, I realized it's more important my relationship with her than those things. So that was advice I can honestly say, Kelly, that just changed my life forever. And I love to pass that along because I think that's where people are just surviving because they're trying to juggle all the things and they're making them all glass and they're not. That's great. And uh, first of all, I, my guess is that you make really good cupcakes. <laughs> well, you bake a lot. So I hope so. I think that uh, that is one thing I like to do. <laughs> right. But I, I think that that is so important. And if we can understand that and start to look at all of the things that are important to us, all of those things were important. Even the, the rubber balls are important. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean they're not important. They're not valuable but they don't, they're not equal in importance right. to everything. Not everything can be as equally important. So I think that's, that's a great thing for our leaders to learn. What is something that you would like to challenge our leaders with? If you leave them with just one thing, what would you like them to do now that they've heard your story and they've heard a few of these ideas? What would you like for them to do with that next? I would like to challenge you with this task, that list that we're going to give you. I'd like you to take a look at that list and really be very honest with yourself. Where are you thriving and where are you merely surviving? So I'd like you to take a piece of paper and I'd like you, you know, to print off this list. And then I'd like you to decide where you're just thriving, or excuse me, surviving and then where you're thriving. 
and work on those areas that you're not. But in doing that, underneath the list, I would like you to make a list of this metaphor that we've talked about. I'd like you to make a list of the glass balls. What in your life is made of glass? That if you dropped it, it could shatter. And then what are those things in your life that are really just bouncy balls? And if you dropped it, you would still be okay and your life would be just fine without it. And I think you'll find that a lot of this will correlate with each other. I think this list and then really finding your priority of what's glass and what's rubber will, will really sink together. And then I challenge you to share it with someone. Share it with someone on your leadership team. Share it with us. We would love to hear from you. Uh, share it with your significant other in your life. If that's your spouse, your parent, if you're a single parent, uh, with your friend, somebody that, you, that holds value in your life to help you be accountable. Because it's super easy to think about it and then try and work on it and then go right back to juggling everything. So that's my challenge for you. Well, thank you. And I think that's a great challenge because it is one thing to hear it and another thing to make a list of it and think it through, but it's completely different when you share it. Um, yes. Words to it, you speak it out loud. So I second that um, encouragement to share it. You can always come to Leaders Facebook and share with us there because we would love to hear from you. So Sherry, thank you so much for joining us. And, and leaders, I want to say thank you for listening in. And we want to remind you, that very often the difference between surviving and thriving as a leader is just our willingness to step up, learn something new, or do something different. So let's do those things together because this is our year to thrive.